Jack Tester here, and welcome to a special episode of Leadership Lounge's Backstage with Jocko Willink. And we're excited about this. This is a preview to our upcoming super meeting. And, and I have got the pleasure of introducing a gentleman here. He is a retired Naval officer serving in the Navy SEALs. He's an author of a bunch of books, including Extreme Leadership and Dichotomy of Leadership, which transfers what he learned in the military to more civilian settings like we lead every day. He's also host of the Jocko Podcast, and he'll be one of our featured speakers at our upcoming super meeting. He's speaking live in Phoenix on the afternoon of Wednesday, October 7th. So we're excited to have Jocko here. Jocko, how you doing? Why don't you say hello to folks? Hey, Jack. Thanks for having me on. Good to be here. Looking forward to uh, going out to Phoenix soon. Very good. Well, I want to have a, this is a little preview of what's going on. So why don't you talk just in broad terms about what you're going to be sharing on the afternoon of October 7th? Well, you know, as you mentioned, I was in the military for 20 years. I was in the SEAL teams and I had the honor and privilege to serve overseas in combat situations. And in doing that, I picked up a lot of lessons and I picked up a lot of lessons about leadership. And my goal when I come out to Phoenix to talk to y'all is to talk about those lessons that I learned. And I think you're going to see how you can take those lessons and apply them not only to, you know, your business and what you do for your business, but to your life as well. So that's what I'm going to do out there. Very good. Well, thank you for that. Um, why, tell me, why does, is this, and you seem like you've dedicated a career to this now. Why is this important to you? Why is this what you're sharing so important to you, Jocko? Yeah, you know, when, when I was in the SEAL teams and really on that last deployment, I realized that leadership is the most important thing on the battlefield, but it's not just the most important thing in the battlefield. It's the most important thing in life. And, and I don't care where you are in the chain of command, you're in a leadership position. And any organization, any company, if you've got problems inside your company, the problems get solved through leadership. And so the, the fact that I kind of ended up doing this was, it was a little bit random. You know, I was still in the SEAL teams and I was probably about six months from, from retiring. And I knew a guy that was the CEO of a big company. And he asked me just as a friend to go and talk to some of his executive team about leadership. So I went out and I, I sat down and talked to this group about leadership. And I'm not sure that my friend actually knew what I was going to say. Maybe he thought I was going to talk about doing push-ups and, and carrying boats on your head, which is what a lot of people think of the SEAL teams. But I actually talked about leadership and I talked about the leadership principles that I've written about now. And when I got done, you know, he came up to me and said, I want you to come and talk to every division I have in my company. And I said, well, you know, I'm retiring. So I don't know about that. And he said, well, I'll pay you. So I said, okay, maybe we can work something out. So I ended up going and starting to talk to all of his divisions around the country. And I was at one of those divisional meetings presenting these topics on leadership and when I got done, it happened that the CEO of the parent company was there. And so the CEO of the parent company that owned his company and owned about 50 other companies came up to me and said, I want you to come and talk to all my CEOs. So he held a CEO summit. I went and talked about these principles. And then as soon as I got done, a bunch of those CEOs came up and said, I want you to come and talk to my company. I want you to come and talk to my company. I want you to come and talk to my company. And next thing you know, I had a new business, Jack. That's very cool. Now, I was reading some of your work and- one of the things that, that you shared is that, that in your SEAL training, you didn't have leadership training, right? They didn't, they didn't sit you down and say, here, Jocko, let me teach you how to be a leader, right? Um, tell us about that, right? Yeah. How you came strange. to this stuff. 
Yeah, very strange. And, and I, I actually, as I started to propose up my chain of command, the importance of leadership training so that I could carve out some time to actually teach leadership. You know, I told my boss, uh, you know, hey, boss, we're probably the only military organization in the history of the world that doesn't train our leaders. And then the other thing I like to point out to him was something called Hamburger University. I said, sir, do you know what Hamburger University is? He said, no. I said, it's a, it's a six-month school in Illinois where if you're going to run a McDonald's, you have to go to a six-month school. I said, so McDonald's sends their leadership to a six-month school on how to flip hamburgers, but we don't give any training to our SEAL leaders that are going to go out and lead men into combat. I said, there's something very wrong here. We need to fix it. So that allowed me to start to focus on this type of training inside the SEAL teams. Very cool. Very cool. You know, one of the th other things, and I, I'm going to pull out a, a few items here that, that hit me is, is, you know, you mentioned that when you were in a SEAL, you came in, oh gosh, I can't remember the year, but it had been a 91, was it? Yeah, I joined the Navy in 1990, and right. I got to the SEAL teams in 1991. Right, but essentially, what the point you had made that that the SEAL organization had kind of been in a, in a peacetime environment for a lot of years, right? That yeah, there was a, there hadn't been a war, per se, right? So you were being led by people that that hadn't necessarily led in a in a in a, a time of combat, right? And I Absolutely. want you to talk about that experience and how that right relate to what we've just been enduring this year, because this has been, you know, metaphorically in business, real bullets have been flying here, right? Since March, right? Yeah. So it was a strange time to come into the SEAL teams. You know, the Vietnam war ended in depending on for, for the SEAL teams, the, the SEAL, the, for the SEAL teams, the Vietnam war ended in 1972. There was, so there wasn't a lot of SEAL veterans from the Vietnam War. There were a few. I was lucky enough to get some mentorship and guidance and instruction from some of those SEALs that had been in Vietnam, but a vast majority of the guys that I would be in platoons with had no combat experience whatsoever. And so what we did was we trained to prepare for it. We trained to get ready for it. And the training absolutely did prepare us as much as you could possibly be prepared for a combat situation. And the, the very first time I ever got in a gunfight, you know, I, I was, I felt like it was something I had done before because the training that we put together was so realistic. Um, there is there an element that you can't really compare. Yeah, there is going to be an element. I mean, there's a big difference between paintball and real bullets, but as far as the, as far I'm as knowing paintball, what by the way. Do yeah. and being mature enough and, and having been through enough stressful situations that I felt pretty good about the whole scenario. And most of the guys in my platoon did, I think we did a good job preparing for it, but there's always going to be an element of unknown. And what you have to train for is you have to train and be prepared for things that you don't expect. And that's one of the things that makes the SEAL teams good is we throw things at people during training that are very confusing, very hard to deal with. And so they end up getting to know what it feels like to operate in an environment where they're not hundred percent sure what's going to happen. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, like you said, 2020 has been the environment of, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. So as, as SEALs and most people in the military know, you got to get used to that environment. And what you have to do is you have to embrace it. And there's going to be some elements that are out of your control. And so what are you going to do? Are you going to curl up in a ball and go over in the, you know, hide under a blanket? No. What you do is you go, on offense, you control the way you respond to what you're facing, and you go out and make things happen. 
Very cool. Very cool. Well, that's, that's, and I guess, you know, the, the work we're doing here to have you speak about leadership, it's, it's theoretical because we're in a, in a classroom, right? But then we get to go home and write, try it right away. So that's kind of the, the prep work, I guess, we have as leaders is to go to classes like this, listen to people like yourself, rather than experiencing and, and, and uh, getting the bruises without the training, right? So that's good. Yeah, you know, that's a good point, Jack. And, and I know that some of the times when, we'd, when we would hear about leadership in the SEAL teams, a lot of it was theoretical. And then in the civilian sector, I, you know, there's books that are written and there's classes that you can go to. And a lot of it is theoretical, but I can promise you this stuff was not developed in theory and it wasn't developed in a classroom. This stuff was right. developed in a very intense environment. Right. And, and yet what you'll see, and I'm sure everyone's going to see this, you know, the principles that I talk about, they apply to, they apply equally in any leadership situation that you're in. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be in combat for these things to work. And, and another point that you made, Jack, is this, what we've seen, you know, I have a consulting company. This is what I do. I talk to companies about leadership. We get their leadership aligned. And as 2020 has unfolded, the companies that we work with have all come to us and said, wow, this stuff really works. And it wasn't that it wasn't working for them before, yeah. but you know, they weren't really in these intense situations where they were having to make these tough decisions. Right. So now they're putting these principles to use and, and they're confirming over and over again that the principles that we use and the principles that we talk about, they work. That's so cool. And I said this in the last time we did, not with you, Jocko, but with our members here that, and I keep going back to this, Jim Collins said that, that when times are great, there's not a huge difference between a great company and a decent company, meaning there's a, there's a tailwind, right? But when times are tough, and I imagine this is the same way in, in, in your old world at the, at the, in the SEALs there, when times are tough, that's when the, there's true separation, right? That's when real leadership manifests itself. And that's when you see it. Yeah, so the nickname inside the SEAL teams, the nickname for a SEAL team is a frogman because our heritage dates back to the frogmen from World War II. So we have a very similar expression. And the expression is everybody wants to be a frogman on a sunny day. So when the weather's nice and you're in Southern California and you're down at the beach and you're going to go for a swim with your friends for some exercise and you come back and you know, have a barbecue, everybody wants to be a SEAL on those days. But what happens when the weather's horrible, when there's bullets flying, all of a sudden you realize not, this job is not for everybody. That's right. That's cool. Well, hey, I want you, we're going we're gonna, to uh, appreciate your time. And you're going to talk about a variety of things. But one of the things, one of the, the bullet points that you're going to speak about that maybe I'd like to have this be the, the, the one give we've got relative to your content is this idea of extreme ownership this idea of that mindset. And we've talked, you, you've talked in your book about this idea that you have to understand kind of fundamentals or the principles of leadership before you get into the tactics and the strategies, et cetera, right? And this feels like a very fundamental thing, kind of a mindset thing. Talk about that for just a bit. Yeah, this is, you know, this is the name of the first book that I wrote, Extreme Ownership. And it's, it's the idea that you're not going to blame anybody else. You're not going to make any excuses. You're going to take ownership of problems and you're going to get those problems solved. And this is, a, this is a core inside of a business. It's a core inside of life. You know, if you're a person that in your life walks around and says, hey, you know, well, this isn't my fault. There's nothing I can do about it. This is the situation I was put in. Well, then guess what? You have no control over what's going to happen and you're not going to change it. It's the same thing in the business environment. If you're saying, well, you know, the market shifted, that's not my problem or my employees didn't do a good job on the job site. That's not my fault. Well, what are you going to change? The answer is you're not going to change anything. If you have a frontline employee that makes a mistake and you say, throw up your hands and say, well, that was my employee's fault, not mine. What are you changing? What are you doing different? If you say, oh, my, my employee made a mistake, that's on me. 
What do I need to do? First, I need to go fix the problem. Then what I need to do is institute some kind of training program so that my employee knows what's happening, knows what knows how to not make these types of mistakes. So when you take ownership of things, you get problem solved. And if you don't, you don't. Well, you know, one of the things that, that, that I heard you say, maybe it was a podcast, I can't remember the source, but um, you talked about this idea that it's sometimes as a, as a mid-level employee, as a SEAL, if you will, it's easy to blame the folks at the top. But this extreme ownership thing doesn't just work from the top down, right? Speak to the other direction in which it works. Yeah, no, extreme ownership goes up and down the chain of command. You know, Jack, if I'm working for you and I'm doing a project and I don't have the resources that I need to finish the project, whose fault is that? Is it, you know, I could say, well, you know, Jack didn't give me what I needed to finish the job. That's not my fault. What good does that do me? What I have to say is, you know what? Jack didn't give me what I needed to finish the job. That's on me. That means I didn't educate Jack. It means I didn't influence Jack. It means I didn't explain to Jack what it was that I needed. It means I didn't give him the time that, that he needed to get me my resources to get the job done. Once again, if all I say is, hey, that's Jack's problem. It's not my fault. What changes? The answer is nothing. But if I actually take ownership up the chain of command, build a relationship with you, Jack, so that I can make things happen, so that you listen to me, so that I know what you need from me, so that you can get me what I need, I'm going to get that problem solved. So you're 100% right. Extreme ownership doesn't only go down the chain of command. It goes up the chain of command as well. Well, it's interesting. It happens, you know, we're talking about in a, in a business environment, which is what we're all about here at Next are running our business. But, you know, I, Jocko, talk about it. This, this extends to our life, doesn't it, outside of business? I mean, we have a lot of scapegoating going on. You know, it's not my fault. It's politicians. It's, you know, I, I could name it, right? I mean, have you seen that? Want to speak uh, to that maybe it? broadly geopolitically, if you would? Yes, I see it all the time. I think any of us here sit, I see a bunch of smiles there now that we're talking about this. I mean, we see politicians on both sides blaming each other all day long and blaming everyone else and blaming everything else instead of saying, okay, hey, this is what I'm going to do to fix it. This is my, this is mine. I own it. I'm going to run with it. I'm going to fix this thing. So yeah, I think you see it on a broad national level sometimes, and then you see it on an individual basis as well. But you know what's nice, Jack? And uh, you know, luckily, in I look, there's a lot of chaos. You can turn on the news any day and 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 think that the country is going in a horrible direction. But I have the I have the privilege of going out and working with companies all over the country in every single industry. And I can tell you right now, America is still filled with hardworking people yeah. that make things happen. And and you know, we're we're stronger than these politicians. I can tell you that much. Very cool. Very cool. That's a good preemptive conversation for the debate tonight, but we'll leave it right there. Okay. We'll leave that. Here's what I want. Last question, Jocko. It's you walk off the stage in Phoenix, you leave and you say, there's going to be probably about 1400 people, 1500 people that will listen to you either live or online through our organization. What do you hope happens to them from this? You know, this is the thing with, with, with any, any of these things that you go to, you don't go to one conference and now you're going to change your life, right? This isn't a single battle. It's a campaign. It's something that you have to look at every day. You have to think about every day. Look, do I hope that everyone gets the spark and says, hey, you know what? I'm going to pick up this book. Hey, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to start listening to this podcast. I'm going to go to Echelon Front Online and start receiving this information on a regular basis. I'm going to start talking about leadership with my team. Yes, absolutely. I want this to be the spark. 
But at the same time, I realized that this isn't going to change people's life in a single event. What you have to do is you have to run a campaign and it can be done. Look, the, the reason I'm in business right now is because this stuff works and I've seen it happen over and over again. Companies, they, they get this mindset, they get this culture inside their organization and they just start to dominate. So that's what I hope to see. I hope to see this, this mindset get a foothold, get, get the seed planted. And then the people that are there, they water that seed, they put nutrients on that seed, that seed starts to grow and you end up with organizations that go out there, take ownership and dominate. Very cool. That's what we hope to. Jocko, thank you. I've enjoyed our conversation. I really uh, look forward to hearing you speak for the, in that afternoon on Wednesday. And uh, I sure appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Look forward to uh, meeting you all next week. All right. Well, make sure, folks, that you log in or you attend. We're going to have some fun on Wednesday afternoon with Jocko. And we didn't provide for questions here. We will have a question session there. So if, you, if something hit your mind that... Uh, you'd like to ask Jocko, we'll have that opportunity in Phoenix, both if you're attending in person or if you're logging in online. So that's it, Jocko. We'll see you here next week, man. Thanks so much, Next Star. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right.